0: Hello, my name is Ho Jun Yoon. You're listening to Medicine on the Way. It is August 2013. This is episode number 16, and today's topic is. Supraventricular Tachycardia slash AV Reciprocating Tachycardia As an intro, I'm going to repeat what I said from the last episode. Supraventricular tachycardia is tachyarrhythmias originated from the tissue above the ventricle. Paroxysmal supraventricular tachycardia is a syndrome with a regular tachycardia of an abrupt onset and determination. Under paroxysmal supraventricular tachycardia, there are two main types of tachycardia, and they are AV nodal reentrant tachycardia, or known as AVNRT, and AV reciprocating tachycardia, or known as AVRT, Supraventricular tachycardia will be explained divided into two episodes and this episode covers AVRT. AVNRT represents one-third of paroxysmal supraventricular tachycardia while the remaining one-third is from AVRT. In AVNRT, Dual AV node pathways is the main causal factor. In AVRT, accessory pathways are largely responsible. Accessory pathways are bypass tracks between the atrium and the ventricle, and they occur about 0.1% to 0.3% of general population, and 50 to 60% of these people become symptomatic. Just like the dual AV node pathways in AVNRT, accessory pathways have their own conduction rate and direction that are different from those of the AV node. Accessory pathways can be described Based on direction of conduction such as anti versus retrograde, and properties of conduction such as fast versus slow. Accessory pathways are usually fast, but about eight percent shows slow antigrade or retrograde conduction. Accessory pathways that are antigrade are described as manifest because there is pre-excitation demonstrated by EKG. Accessory pathways that are retrograde are described as concealed because there isn't much to be shown by EKG. Accessory pathways are described based on the site of origin and insertion as well. Mahaim fibers originate from the AV node or bundle of his and insert to the distal J fibers or ventricular myocardium. James fibers originate from the atrium and insert to the distal or compact AV node. Brehimaha fibers originate from the atrium and insert to the bundle of his. Kent bundles that are responsible for Wolff-Parkinson-White syndrome connect the atrium and the ventricle. The primary function of an accessory pathway is pre-excitation. Pre-excitation is an early depolarization of the ventricles when there is a conduction occurred through other than the normal AV system. Appearance of pre-excitation can be more or less apparent based on whether patients have tachycardia or bradycardia or the location of accessory pathways. During sinus tachycardia, pre-excitation is not very apparent because sympathetic tone is high and this results in faster AV nodal conduction than that of accessory pathway. Therefore, pre-excitation becomes more apparent with vagal tone and bradycardia. Because of this characteristic of accessory pathways, adenosine, which slows AV nodal conduction, has been used as a diagnostic tool. Accessory pathways that crosses the AV groove in the left lateral region is less apparent with the PR interval that is not as short as other accessory pathways. The distance between the sinus node and the accessory pathways are greater. Therefore, an accessory pathway on the right side is more distinctively demonstrated with pre-excitation. AVRT is a tachycardia that involves the atrium, AV node, the accessory pathway, and ventricle. It can be classified into orthodromic and antidromic AVRT. In orthodromic AVRT, the the direction of an impulse goes like this. An atrial premature beat travels the atrium and AV node while an accessory pathway blocks the antigrade conduction the impulse reaches the ventricle and travels retrogradely backwards through the accessory pathway and back to the atrium. This completes the reentrant loop. Because of the retrograde direction of conduction in orthodromic AVRT, not only an atrial premature beat can cause tachycardia, but also, a ventricle premature bit creates an AVRT circuit. In antidromic AVRT, the reentrant impulse travels in the opposite direction. The conduction occurs from the atrium to ventricle through the accessory pathway. In other words, antidromic reentrant tachycardia conducts antigrade via the accessory pathway and retrograde via a V-node. Patients with Wolff-Parkinson-White syndrome may develop atrial fibrillation or flutter with anti-grade conduction down the accessory pathway and a rapid ventricular response. If this conduction is very rapid, it can progress to ventricular fibrillation. The signs and symptoms of AVRT include palpitations, syncope, and tachycardia that is associated with chest pain, dyspnea, anxiety, dizziness, or decreased exercise tolerance. In EKG, characteristics of antigrade conducting accessory pathways include the delta wave, which represents pre-excitation and shortening of PR interval. However, an accessory pathway with retrograde conduction is not usually detected on a sinus rhythm EKG. In other words, pre-excitation of an antidromic AVRT can be shown on an EKG, whereas orthodromic AVRT has a normal QRS complex. The locations of accessory pathways are classified into 10 regions. By using the axis of the delta wave and QRS morphology, the site of the accessory pathway can be localized. Electrophysiology study is performed to confirm the presence of the accessory pathway, localize the pathway that causes tachycardias, and aid an ablation. EPS or electrophysiology study in AVRT can reveal extended interval between the bundle of his and ventricle and an increasing rate of pre-excitation with slowing of conduction through the normal cardiac impulse pathway. A bundle branch block during tachycardia indicates the presence of of an accessory pathway on the same side of the bundle uh, branch block. Asymptomatic pre-excitation is a good prognostic factor and patients without the symptoms of AVRT usually do not require specific therapy. They may be referred for exercise treadmill testing to see if pre-excitation is lost at rapid rates. For those with occupations that put others at risk such as uh, bus drivers or pilots may need to have an electrophysiology test with possible ablation to reduce the risk of having a syncope or sudden death. Other markers which identified patients at increased risk include a history of symptomatic tachycardia, multiple accessory pathways, a short pre-excited R-to-R interval below 250 millisecond during spontaneous or induced atrial fibrillations, and abstain anomaly. Catheter ablation is performed not only as a treatment tool but also as a diagnostic one. It localizes and ablates the accessory pathway. Patients with pre-excitation who have atrial fibrillation or flutter should be examined by inducing atrial fibrillation in the electrophysiology laboratory. Because these patients are at high risk for sudden death, prophylactic ablations may be needed. Complications of catheter ablations include AV block, myocardial perforation, transient ischemic attack, and coronary artery spasm. Pharmacological therapy is generally more effective in terminating an acute episode of tachycardia than preventing future recurrence. Antiarrhythmic drugs such as verapamil, beta blockers, and adenosine alter the conduction through the AV node. However, other antiarrhythmic drugs, such as class 1 drugs, and they are procainamide, propofenone, and flecainide, and class 3 drugs, and they are sotalol or amiodarone, change the conduction across the pa- accessory pathways. Narrow, complex reentrant rhythms with an accessory pathway can be managed, as discussed for AVNRT in our previous episode. For wide-complex tachycardia, class 1 and 3 drugs are good choices. We need to pay more attention to those with concurrent atrial fibrillation and flutter. Digoxin, calcium channel blockers, and even beta blockers decrease the refractory phase of the accessory pathway or increase that of the AV node. In other words, these drugs increase conduction through the accessory pathway, which may lead to ventricular tachycardia and a cardiac arrest. Therefore, digoxin, calcium channel blockers, and even beta blockers should be avoided to those with concurrent atrial fibrillation or flutter. For Wolf-Parkinson-White syndrome, catheter ablation is the first-line therapy. The success rate is more than 95%, and it has low complication rate. Okay, this is it for this episode. If this is your first time listening to my podcast, make sure that you listen to my previous podcast, that is episode number 15, because it talks about AVNRT, uh, under the category of supraventricular tachycardia. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. My name is Ho Jun Yoon, and this is Medicine on the Way.